Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Maine Community Foundation, working with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people on the web at maincf.org. It's 10 o'clock on the dot, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard, is up next. Good morning, and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, and to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns began in 1993 with support from University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, public libraries have been part of community life in the U.S. for more than 150 years. Evolving from earlier book borrowing by subscription, community libraries advance the notion that knowledge should be shared regardless of income or social standing, part of the value system of the American experiment. And I'm so glad to have some really wonderful folks who um, are related to local libraries here in Hancock County area. Amy Weishart is with the Ellsworth Public Library. Welcome to you, Amy. Thank you. Ruth Eveland is here from the Jessup Memorial Library in Bar Harbor. Welcome to you, Ruth. Good morning. And I should say, um, full disclosure, I'm on the board of Ruth's organization. It's a wonderful organization, but I'll try to keep my role as the interviewer, not as the board member, as we have our discussion. <laughs> um, joining us also is Rich Boulay, who is the librarian at Blue Hill Public Library. Welcome to you, Rich. Thank you for having me. And later on, we'll talk with Jamie Ritter, who is the Maine State Librarian. Well, first of all, each of you could provide a little background to yourselves and, and your library. Libraries, starting with yourselves. Um, Amy, how did you get started in library work? Was this always something that you wanted to do? Um, it wasn't, actually. I, was, uh, I worked in a fair trade coffee company for several years uh, after college and decided in my late 20s to go back and get my oh. uh, library science degree. And I was initially drawn to libraries because I loved the research process. I thought I'd become an academic librarian. Um, I did work in academic libraries for a, a, few, a couple of years and um, ended up back in uh, public libraries, partly because I was so drawn to the mission of public libraries. And I, I um, I loved academic work, but I also noted that sometimes, you know, students didn't want to be in the library. It was a stressful place for them. And it was so refreshing to be in a public library where um, everyone wanted to be there. It's a joyful place. Uh, we really serve the community. We serve a, a, a broad array, a vast, um, uh, diverse group of people. Mm. So it's it's very rewarding work. Great. Ruth, what drew you to library work? <laughs> well, I started working in libraries in the second grade. Um, it got me out of reading <laughs> class um, because I was a good reader. So I, I got to read to the kindergartners and first graders mm. and work in the library, in the school library. Um, and I went through my life with everybody telling me I was going to be a librarian because I read so much. And I always thought that was silly. Um, but I 
went, after I got, graduated from college with no particular uh, plan in mind, and I worked at a terrible job for a while, and I thought, you know, I think I'll go to library school. I think that is the one thing that I think I'm really interested in doing. And I was so extraordinarily fortunate um, in one of my very early interactions in library school to have an instructor who was a public library director in the area. Um, and Arthur gave me the vision of what a small community public library was supposed to be. And I immediately understood what he was talking about. It resonated completely. And I adopted that as my mission and have been working in public libraries my whole entire life. <laughs> Great. We'll come back and talk about each of your individual libraries in just a moment. But Rich, what drew you to the, the work of a library director? I guess I could say I'm kind of an idealistic person, and I wanted to do work that um, didn't keep me up at night, that didn't involve any kind of moral compromise that I could feel good about. And so um, through a series of uh, kind of, um, oh, serendipity kind of circumstances, I found myself as a long-term substitute in my high school's um, library. And I said to my uh, boss in that library, the, li the librarian, I said, how do I get your job? <laughs> right. And uh, anyway, long story short, off to library school in Montreal, had a great experience, and I feel really privileged to do this work. Mm. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, Blue Hill Public Library. Um, how would you describe it to someone who hasn't been there, for instance? Uh, well, uh, I guess the first thing I would say is the library is the community living room. It's really sort of the common ground for the whole community. Everybody, well, I, I can't say everybody uses it, but a lot of people in the community use it, and they use it in all kinds of different ways. Um, we are very a very fortunate community. We're a community that has strong support for libraries. People take a lot of pride in their library, and I'm, I'm truly grateful for that. Um, it's vibrant. Uh, we're open uh, 55 hours a week. Mm -hmm. We are uh, have a great staff, really friendly, really welcoming. Um, I think we serve uh, quite a number of roles, uh, community venue, um, uh, kind of de facto tourist bureau, um, mm -hmm. everything. I mean, obviously, we offer lots of uh, traditional library services, too. Mm -hmm. uh, Ruth, tell us a little bit about the Jessup Library. How long has the Jessup been around? The Jessup is 107 years old. Uh. <laughs> we... Uh, a lot of people look at the Jessup and they see a very traditional, very beautiful building, and that it's hard for some people um, thinking that's it's the vision of what the library should look like in, in a lot of ways. But I think that one of the things that's most impressive about the Jessup is the uh, level of service that we provide to the community. And as as Rich noted, we also view ourselves as a community living room. Uh, we try to meet a range of needs in the community. I think one of the things that has always been so important about the public library is you are working with people from infancy through their entire lives. You are meeting needs that are both um, lighthearted and trivial and also life critical in terms of the information and the support that you can provide and the connections that you help make uh, help people make. I think that uh, the Jessup takes very seriously the idea that we connect people to ideas, people to information, and people to people, and that is, one of, that is at the heart of what we do. Mm. Amy, you're part of um, a city library, actually a municipally funded library, and you, you folks, Blue Hill and, and um, Bar Harbor, the Jessup Library, are private libraries that serve the community. So maybe that's a, that's a place to start. Do you have a sense of how Ellsworth became a city library? 
Well, Ellsworth started out as a city library. Our building is 200 years old, and we uh, the the it was a private residence, and it was turned into a library in 1897. And the benefactor who donated the building to the city um, said that the stipulation was the the building had to always be a library. Uh-huh. So the city owns the the Ellsworth Public Library building, and it's a beautiful historic building. Um, we also now have expanded to serve a lot of the surrounding communities. So we mm. surround we um, also serve 18 other municipalities in addition to Ellsworth. So our service population is actually quite large for Maine. It's almost 25,000. So that presents some opportunities and also some challenges because we do serve a a huge array of of really a lot of different people and um, see a lot of people coming in our doors. Um, It's been a really rewarding um, summer for us, especially we had uh, record-breaking attendance for our family programs and also for a lot of the adult educational programs that we offer. So it's the Ellsworth Public Library, Library, I would say, serves as a gathering place, not just for the Ellsworth community, but for people from those surrounding communities as well. And we see a lot of people who come and they, they're new to the community and they want to know more about resources the library provides, but also other resources that we can point them to. Um, so we often serve as that kind of welcoming place for people uh, as they're getting to know the community and we're trying to serve their needs as best that we can. So, mm. so how do you find out about the needs of the community? Um, seems to me you, you've been through a, a planning process. Um, you reached out to the community. What did you hear in that process? We did. So we are just wrapping up a strategic plan. So we put out a survey that um, got a, a wide range of responses. And we did. We conducted a lot of focus groups mm-hmm. in the community, talked to a lot of people. Uh, we tried to get a sense of what the, the pressing community needs are and then how the, the library can meet some of those needs. Um, so we heard a lot about, you know, people might want different hours for the library to be open. Um, people want different types of educational programs that might not be what you traditionally think of as a library program, but things that might um, might speak to sort of their, their pressing, um, pressing issues that mm. are coming up in the community. And um, we also heard about the ways people use the library. So sometimes people want quiet space and other time other people come to the library and they want to collaborate or mm-hmm. communicate or um, they come with their children and they might be a little bit noisy so we're mm-hmm. thinking about how can we meet all of those diverse needs in our kind of open layout building uh, which presents unique challenges and then also thinking about how do we get out into the community more mm-hmm. not just expect people to come to us but mm-hmm. also reach out and have more of a presence at community events and um, have a uh, be a part of some of the conversations that are happening about what the pressing needs are in our community. Mm. Rich, how do you learn from the public um, at your library in terms of what the library, uh, the community wants from you? Well, we've been through strategic planning as well, but really um, our public isn't shy. They tell us. <laughs> they, they they are very interactive with us at the desk and just being on the floor and listening to people and certainly quite a number of them just stop by and tell me what they think and, and uh, I love that. So um, we just we just listen and uh, we, we try to be as responsive as we can. And I try to practice saying yes as much as I possibly can. <laughs> Even when my knee jerk is no, I try to <laughs> just do a little gut check on that and think, how can I make that into a yes? So somebody comes to me and says, I'd like to do, uh, I don't know, I can't think of an example, but a basket weaving class at the library. Or recently, somebody wanted to start a hacking club, hackers club. Uh Um, You know, uh, this isn't hacky sack. This is actually (laughs) hacking into computers. Well, it actually isn't hacking into computers. They're not talking about doing illegal work, but they are talking about doing things with computers that aren't just at the application level, trying to do kind of new and innovative things with computers. And, and, um, my first thought was, well, 
I don't really see a lot of use for that or a lot of market for that in the community. I see some use but not market. They um, they convinced me otherwise pretty quickly uh, and also donated uh, five uh, Chromebook computers for us to get this off the ground. And we're going to have our first one soon. Uh, we actually we the Hackers Club has been going soon, and the Coding Club is going to start two Saturdays from now. So, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ruth, how have you learned about what the library could do for the community and, and examples of some of that response? Uh, we we also uh, listen to what people tell us over the desk. We also listen um, in the community at large. All of us uh, who serve at the Jessup are active in the community in other ways. And I think that that gives us an opportunity to be able to uh, hear what's going on in, in many different areas of the community. And so that often gives us ideas. We work very hard to be cooperative with many other organizations in the community as well. So a fair amount of programming is done in cooperation with programs. For example, there's a series that we started up this year that's been been quite good called Age by Design that is working with the Bar Harbor Task Force on Aging. Uh, we are cooperatively programming with the YMCA, the YWCA, and Island Connections. And as a result, we've had just a terrific series of programs. So that's been a real benefit. We also just kind of whimsically try things and put it out there and see if there is any interest in it. Um, I believe very strongly that programming is a, is a core part of what the Jessup is supposed to be doing. It has been The community has responded very well to this. We have very active programming, very high attendance for things. And I can remember one program that we did um, a few years ago that was somebody who had written this uh, book about how to uh, make your own snowshoes. A little arcane, um, but I thought, well, there must be people in this community who are interested. So we had him come. It was, I think there were four people who attended. Uh, they had not been in the library before, so this was their first opportunity, but they had been interested enough in the subject to to seek this out and to attend. They were completely engaged, and they left happy. They bought his book, and I said, well, that's that was the program that they needed and they wanted, and I have, I have this theoretical goal where every year we can have at least one program for anyone in the community. We haven't yet achieved that, but it's uh, we try for a wide range because our community has a diverse set of interests, so mm. it is a matter of just keeping, keeping our eyes and ears open and trying things and seeing what what works, uh, reshaping it if you if you need to, um, and being open to serendipitous possibilities. Mm. So each of you are describing libraries that um, might be perceived differently than they would have been 50 years ago. Um, wh- how has that transition been in your in your mm-hmm. lifetimes, your experience of moving from a library that's mm-hmm. relatively passive mm-hmm. in its kind of approach to mm-hmm. its mission to something that sounds much more active in your libraries? Mm-hmm. Rich, you want to start? I-, I think you chose the exact right word, mm-hmm. passive. Mm-hmm. Um, our history in libraries is, is, is not anything to be ashamed of, but it was kind of a passive institution, one where people would come look for information, then we'd give them more than they asked for, and they'd leave. Uh, it, would be, it was about storage and retrieval. Mm. And, and now it's, it's a much more interactive experience. It's much more of a community venue. Um, programming is a really big part of what I think a lot of libraries are doing. A lot of us are looking to make our libraries much more flexible spaces that can be interpreted in different ways. I had the opportunity to tour a bunch of libraries this last year, mm. and I saw in libraries that had been recently renovated over and over again, things were on wheels. <laughs> stacks, everything. Things were able to be moved out so that you could interpret the space in a new and different way, and that's something that we're working towards in Blue Hill. Mm. Amy, how would you describe that transition that that you've been a part of? 
Yeah, definitely. I think we are um, at the Ellsworth Public Library and then public libraries in general. I think we are really trying to reach out to the community in different ways and uh, combat that misperception that libraries are just about books or they're just for people who um, maybe they're outdated, but we're, we're trying to always remain relevant. We offer electronic resources. We offer, um, as Ruth and Rich have also mentioned, a really wide range of educational programs. We're trying to really fit the needs of the communities we serve. And I mm-hmm. like to say that each public library is unique because we're, we're tailoring our services directly to the needs of the people who live in those communities. And so each, each public library that you walk into will have a, a different take on how that works. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're always changing. And Ruth, your your take on that question mm-hmm. of moving from a, a more passive kind of system to a more active, mm-hmm. responsive system? It's, uh, it's I've, I've been a librarian a really long time. And when I started, libraries were more in the traditional mode. But I will say that I think that I was, because of the influence of, of my mentor, I had a, an early opportunity to work harder to be out into the community and to uh, find a way of engaging people more actively early on. And so I think in a lot of respects, that's always been my orientation. So uh, in the point at which we moved to into the Jessup, I think that the Jessup has has had strong bones for many, many years. But I think it, it uh, the opportunity over the last batch of years that I've been there to more actively engage the community, I think people have gotten to the point where they intuitively understand what it is we're trying to do and, and are very receptive. And I think that people who come in and uh, still want the traditional library services, we are more than happy to provide those and meet those needs. But I think that the understanding of the range of needs that, that a community, good, strong community library, and as Amy says, each library will reflect its community mm-hmm. uh, if it's doing its job properly. Um, and that's been a very um, – I don't want to lose track of the, the, the reading part of the, of the library because I think that is, is heart, heart of the library in many respects. I don't care what format people use to read. I don't. I didn't care what you read. I just want. I just want reading. <laughs> um, so we added. We started adding um, graphic books in a while ago, um, fiction and nonfiction. And people keep. You know, we get some mumbles about that. But there are people for whom that is a perfect avenue into reading, and it great. It offers a great opportunity. So I'm. Let's start with the reading. But let's. Uh, there are opportunities in the library to be engaged on a wide array of reasons. Mm. You're tuned to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We're having a conversation about the evolving role of community libraries. You've heard um, just now from Ruth Eveland, the Jessup Memorial Library in Bar Harbor. Rich Boulay is with us um, from the Blue Hill Public Library and Amy Weishart from the Ellsworth Public Library. We're joined now by phone by Jamie Ritter. Uh, Jamie, welcome to Talk of the Towns. Hey, thank you very much. I've been listening to this terrific conversation and it's a pleasure to be on the call. And uh, Jamie, you're the Maine State Librarian. Um, what does that job involve? I don't know that I've ever talked with the Maine State Librarian. I think I'm still learning myself. <laughs> the, uh, no, it's a, it's a great job. The Maine State Library is located in Augusta and uh, among some of our roles are administering federal funding that comes through the Library School and Technology Act uh, to uh, help develop all types of libraries throughout the state. And we also operate a, uh, a public library uh, physically located in Augusta uh, 
where we circulate materials. Our collection is uh, primarily focused on uh, main history and nonfiction, and we have a terrific uh, genealogy collection, one of the best north of Boston. Um, so, in a nutshell, that's the that's the main state library. Mm. And in your in your role, um, you you must have seen some of the transition that we've just been talking about from um, a more traditional uh, style of library fifty years ago or so um, to one that is much more engaged with the community. How would you characterize that that journey um, within the state of Maine? What are you seeing? Yeah, I, I think um, Amy, Rich, and Ruth touched on it really well and, and hit all of the high points. It really comes down to community and how our libraries are engaging in the community. There's this concept out there called embedded librarianship, and what it means is that librarians are such terrific resources for their community that they're, that they're being embedded into um, sort of non-typical groups or boards to help solve community problems. Um, we're great at finding information, and we're great at tying that back, uh, the, tying that information back to uh, how we fit into the community, and, and again, how we can help solve problems for the community. I'd also touch on the fact that um, where where Ruth left off regarding uh, literacy and reading, you know, and, and it goes to something Rich said early on about the the good work we do and the values that we that we have as librarians. The free public library is absolutely the most democratic institution in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And the reason for that is that literacy and building a literate community is, is core to what we do. And all of that is then enlightened um, as we offer engaging programs and the type of broad experiences that, that, the, uh, that we've been talking about. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful line of of work, and that's what I see across Maine. No, no matter the size of library, certainly budgets or capacity is different, but the spirit behind what we're all trying to do is uh, is tied together. Mm. What are some of the challenges you see in the field of of uh, community libraries, as from your position, um, kind of seeing the state as a whole? Yeah, I think. Um, Maine is a, a very collaborative state, and and from so from where I sit in my role, um, I'm familiar with what's happening in in other states, and we really do our best to bring different types of libraries together to work um, for the benefit of our citizens um, through you know with that the idea that if someone needs something, we want to be able to to deliver that for them. Um, but that brings challenges. Uh, you know, all of the, we have t- over 260 public libraries in the state of Maine. Um, some are very small, some are, are quite large, um, but all operate locally uh, and have a level of independence. So when you try to create collaborations and, and sharing of materials across the state, um, that can sometimes butt heads with um, local communities. Uh, budgets and philosophies around how they share. So I think that that's a challenge that we're constantly trying to um, w- work through. But but having said that, we do a terrific job, and and we we approach that challenge um, it, it, with a sense of collaboration. 
And and how about technology? I, I think of the collaboration that is this basic um, we kind of understand, and that's the interlibrary loan. Um, if I don't have a book in my library, I can usually find it. Um, what are the other ways that technology um, and perhaps your role at the state library are, are helping local libraries? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And, I mean, one of the things, and, and this might come off as being very general, but um, the tech the technology landscape is just changing so incredibly fast um, that uh, try, trying to keep up is, is often hard. Um, but, but where we're seeing, I think, a great deployment of technology in the library uh, is around digital literacies and around marrying um, things that used to be done, call it in the analog world, uh, that now, now require the digital world. Basic things from... Uh, job searching or filling out a resume or applying for Social Security and setting up direct deposit. So libraries, the use of technology in libraries is central um, to filling those needs that people have. And, and so that's sort of at a, at a core level. But then, of course, e-readers and how people are absorbing information. Uh, we recently set up the new Digital Main Library, and I'll, just for a plug, it's library.digitalmain.org, and uh, it's a c- compilation of millions of resources um, for the citizens of Maine, but it's accessible online. Mm. So um, I think technology, when used properly, really helps to make a difference in, in delivering the services that we have to offer. Mm. And you're in Topsom today. What, what's your role there as the State Library in Topsom? I am, and it, it, I'll tell you, I'm at the Topsom Public Library. It's a beautiful library. One of the things that the State Library does is um, really help uh, it, as it relates to professional development for uh, librarians across the state. Many of our librarians in small communities don't have uh, a master's in library science, um, and we help uh, bring courses and leadership programs to um, help develop them in, in the areas that they feel they need. So what's happening today in Topsom is State Library is hosting um, a leadership cohort, a group of librarians going through a year-long um, leadership class and uh, I'll be speaking to them in a few minutes. So, uh, and then I'm going to stay here at the at the library and just look at all the wonderful things that they do and try to take back some some tips. Um, and Jamie, one last question: What are your hopes for the future? What are you What are you looking f- uh, forward to seeing develop in the state of Maine and in, in the library world? Well, I'll tell you. Since the the 1970s, we've been talking about a, a statewide borrowing card, and I don't think the uh, the, and we're not there yet. And I don't necessarily think the answer is a single card, but we need to find a way to make sure that uh, anyone anywhere in Maine can walk into any library and uh, get the information that they need. Um, I think that would be uh, quite a quite a unique thing to, to accomplish and, and just a wonderful thing for the people of Maine. Great. Jamie, thanks so much for being with us, and I look forward to meeting you at some point, um, and maybe we'll get you back on Talk of the Towns. Thank you very much, and uh, Rich, Amy, and Ruth, keep up the great work. You have great libraries, and thanks for all you do. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. 
Jamie Ritter is the Maine State Librarian, and uh, glad to have him on Talk of the Towns as we talk about the evolving role of community libraries with Amy Weishart of the Ellsworth Public Library, Ruth Eveland of the Jessup Memorial Library in Bar Harbor, and Rich Boulay of the Blue Hill Public Library. What were some of the themes that you heard in, in Jamie's remarks that you want to follow up a little bit on? What, what resonated with you? Um, this notion um, he left with is a library card, but there's library resources that are shared throughout the state that seemed fascinating. Ruth? I think that what uh, this is vital because I think that the, the most fundamental thing about a public library is it is a shared community resource. And I think that uh, I've, I've worked in a number of other states before I ended up in Maine. And I, this is the, as Jamie said, this is the most collaborative uh, area I've ever worked in. So that I think that the idea of the, the, the deepest and greatest amount of sharing is really important. Um, on Mount Desert Island, there are several other libraries. We work together. We have uh, discussions about programming and collection so that we're not stepping on each other's toes, but supporting everybody in the work that they do. And I think that many people in our area uh, use more than one library. They go to one library for this kind of material or service. They go to another library for another. They often support more than one library for those of us who are independent uh, uh, agents. And I think that we have to be very attentive to that as well. But I think that the, the collaborative and cooperative part of our work is fundamental. Mm. Amy, how would you respond to some of the things that uh, Jamie Ritter was was saying or um, Ruth's comments? Um, Yeah, I would agree with Ruth that I think resource sharing is so important in the state of Maine. And and as Jamie mentioned that as well, I I, am fairly new to the state of Maine. I was in Vermont before um, a couple of years ago um, and Massachusetts before that. And considering that each individual public library in Maine, as Jamie mentioned, is um, fairly independent, and we are mostly locally funded. We actually don't get any direct state support mm-hmm. for our operating budgets. We do get support from the state library, of course. Um, but considering that we are so locally funded, I think we do a great job of collaborating, resource sharing, mm-hmm. working together, um, helping each other solve problems and, and work together. And um, I think that's that's a great asset for the state of Maine. And mm-hmm. um, certainly the Maine State Library has a, a really important role to play in professional development and also making electronic resources available to mm-hmm. residents throughout the state um, mm-hmm. because I think that can kind of level the playing field. If you live in a really small community that has a small library, you do have access to a lot more um, than you, you might think. So. Sure. Um, I'll ask um, Rich for the same response before I open up the phone lines. Any, any follow-up to, to uh, Jamie's comments? Well, I'm just glad the focus is there because let's face it, we in these communities that we represent are in the have communities in the state of Maine. There are many communities in the state of Maine that are have-not communities that have very limited resources. And so they're not able to fund a library as well as some of our communities can. And so I really like the fact that the this collaboration that we that we all uh, adhere to and promote is really kind of leveling the playing field for mm-hmm. some communities that not because of lack of will but because of true lack of resources can't have a real robust library in their mm-hmm. community so mm-hmm. and each of you well, I think each of you and Ruth mentioned people go to more than one library um, so um, no matter where you live you may have a couple of different places where you can go to get those resources that and then the opposite which is uh, Amy and myself and to an extent Ruth we live in well, we live in service center communities yeah. and um, uh, really serve multiple communities just by the nature of where we are. Uh, the Blue Hill Public Library serves the nine towns on the Blue Hill Peninsula. Mm-hmm. 
and then anyone else who walks in our doors. Mm. And I think I think yep. we all actually will yep. ser- serve anybody who walks yep. in our doors, and anybody yep. can get a library card more or less for free. Some sometimes there's an initial charge, and that's refunded mm-hmm. after a while. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so mm. well, let's open up the phone lines and see what listeners have to say about the evolving role of libraries. Uh, please give us a call at uh, toll free at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or locally at 469-0500 to participate in this conversation about um, the evolving role of uh, community libraries. Um, I, I wanted to return to some of the, the drivers of what's changing our communities and how those, those drivers are changing libraries. So things like demographics. Rich, you mentioned the economics of, of a local community. Are there other things that are kind of driving um, how libraries need to respond? Well, I, um, th- there's one thing that I think, I think is really important, and Jamie touched on it, and we've all kind of talked about it, but um, uh, the Internet is a disruptive force in every industry, and libraries included, and we're all adjusting to what it, what it brings to us. The, uh, the notion of um, e-books and e-audio, et cetera, those formats are basically what's called disintermediated formats. Wow. That they, they, Better they, break that apart. That, exactly. <laughs> Dis, what, say, disintermediated. So traditionally – uh, a published book had a number of gatekeepers that would promote it, bookstores, okay. uh, et cetera, uh, libraries. Um, digital media is more a direct-to-consumer type experience, and publishers and content providers are aware of that. And so my opinion is that publishers, for example, don't feel that they need libraries as much as they did for ebooks, um, because in a way we kind of undermine their markets, I think is, is the view. And I think uh, in a way... Uh, they just feel like they can market directly to their uh, their consumers in like a, on their platforms. I mean, Kindle, for example. Uh-huh. I mean, you finish reading a book on a Kindle, and it says, "If you like this, you might like this," and and it, it's a continuous loop. So um, we, as libraries, are only five percent total of publishing's entire market share, if you will. So. Publishers haven't been super motivated to provide us with ebooks that we can share with our patrons. We do get them. They're far more expensive than you pay for your uh, uh, ebook uh, title on your Kindle. Uh, and then they expire after 26 uses. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very different – it's a different model and it's a challenge for us. Mm. How else would you talk about the drivers that are kind of helping shape um, libraries? And in addition to just community response, um, we, we have an aging population, um, and yet we've got young people in our community. How do you balance the, some of the, the conflicting needs? Um, Amy or Ruth? Yeah, I would say that's definitely a a challenge, also an opportunity for the Ellsworth community. We are one of the largest growing cities in Maine. And so we see a lot of new people coming in, um, a lot of younger people, but we also have an aging population, as many communities in Maine do. So we're trying to meet the needs wherever we can and and try to get out into the community as much as we can to... um, to provide some of those services. But I, I would say um, I think early literacy is vital and really important for us and for most libraries, um, any library really. Uh, we're trying to um, reach parents and young children as soon as we can mm. to, um, to just foster that love of reading. Mm-hmm. And um, I think as we see um, 
kids especially get more and more busy. They've got so much going on at school. They've got all these activities. Parents are super busy and don't always have time to bring their children to the library. We have to get creative about how we can meet some of those needs. So we, um, at the Ellsworth Public Library, we have the the local daycare. The Y daycare comes um, several times a week. They come and visit the library and Mm. we do a story time for them. And Mm -hmm. I got to do the story time yesterday. It was so much fun. Um, So we're we're always thinking creatively about how we can meet some of those needs because it's um, it is changing the way people um, use libraries and the time that people have to spend um, mm. in our libraries. So. Mm-hmm. Ruth, what are some of the things that yeah. are driving uh, your library? I think one of the things that's been a very interesting change that is definitely something that's more noticeable over the last batch of years is people coming into the library for extended periods of time. Uh-huh. Uh, people coming in either because they want a quiet space to do something or they don't have any other place to go, although that's certainly been a, a model for many, many years. But people coming in to work with other people. Amy had mentioned earlier about opportunities for people to work collaboratively on things. A library is a neutral meeting space. If you're meeting somebody that you don't know terribly well, it's a it's an acceptable place to meet. We don't make you buy anything while you're sitting there. You can sit there for as long as you want. It's a comfortable space. There are, there are people around you to interact with if you want to, but if you don't want to interact but just simply want to be in a place where it's safe and comfortable and there are other people around, a library is a good place for that. The challenge is, particularly in a building like ours, trying to find a way of balancing those needs. And I think that's certainly been the Jessup's biggest problem and is the one that we're hoping to address in the future with uh, some changes to our building. But the idea of there are, we have uh, taken the uh, opportunity over the last few years to uh, put tables in spaces we didn't have tables for people to meet together, to work together, uh, comfortable seating in odd little nooks and crannies for people who just want to sink into a chair and see what's going on around them. But I think what this does is it allows people to use their library as an interactive space as well as the interactive materials that we offer. And I think that that broader perception of what the library serves is a very interesting change. one 625 Give us a call and tell your library story, the story of your favorite library experience, or ask a question to our guests here in the studio um, from local libraries. Um, this notion of, of interactivity, uh, I was surprised um, to, to find that um, I can get an e-book through the library system. Um, I thought I might, might have to go to a bookstore or, or <laughs> online. Tell us a little bit about that that system that operates well we have a statewide um download library called uh the main infinite digit download cloud, library cloud library cloud, cloud, well it's oh, provided yeah. by cloud library yeah. um and uh that is a co- uh, consortial arrangement where um it's, it's it's shared content statewide um you can get to that from many of our websites if you just look for the the link to that and your Library card can get you that content onto your iPad, your Kindle. Well, not your not your old Kindle. Yeah, this is true. You, gotta, you, <laughs> yeah. you know your your newer Kindle, the one that has a like a tablet type interface. Yeah. Uh, your phone, your computer, whatever. Also, there's a lot of audio content there as well, where you can download an audio book and listen to it. Um, so, one thing is there's a it's a statewide resource, so there's a lot of uh, competition there for those resources. So you do have to kind of go in with a flexible attitude, like. I want to read something, not I want to read that thing. Right, right, right. Other ways in which you're kind of connecting technology to people, um, uh, Jamie mentioned uh, people filling out uh, employment forms and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Are people in your communities
is using mm-hmm. the library for that service or that per- Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we um, at the Ellsworth Public Library, we see a lot of people who come in with uh, very low technology skills, but they need to apply for a job. And often it, it might be a job that doesn't require any technology skills, but the only way you can apply for that job is to go online and mm-hmm. fill up the application. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one man last year who, um, he'd been laid off in his 50s, and he was um, he didn't know how he would find another job because he didn't have the technology skills just to go online and um, create a resume or mm-hmm. to apply for a job online. So we worked with him over multiple sessions to sit down um, with him and, and um, fill out that application, and he did get the job and um, was very, very grateful to us and brought <laughs> us a box of chocolates. A as a great, thing. <laughs> great story. Well, we have a caller, Charlie, from the town of Mount Desert is on the line with us. Go ahead with your question or, or comment, please. Yes, I just uh, wonder if your panelists might uh, comment a little bit on the relationship between school libraries and public libraries. Uh, What do you see going on there, and what would you like to see? Great question. Thanks for calling, Charlie. Charlie called 1-866-625-9378 as we talk about the role of community libraries. Um, Amy? first, and then we'll work our way around. Sure, I can, I can respond. So in Ellsworth, we have... Uh We've been working quite a bit with the high school library um, and part of our strategic plan, we met with both the middle school and the high school librarians and actually it's a combined middle elementary school. So we we met with all of the school librarians to talk about ways we can collaborate more. Um, We're having ongoing conversations and we've talked about we should set up quarterly meetings. We should try to figure out are there ways we can share resources because Mm. we're a municipal library. Um, We actually, both the school library and the city library get funding from municipal sources. So are there ways we can work more effectively, um, especially at the high school to serve teens after school. Their Mm. library actually is not open after school. So are there um, collaborations there that we can build in? Um, We're always interested in in working more with school libraries. Um, We did a um, kindergarten open house um, and we worked with the school librarians to have a public library presence there. So we signed up kindergartners for library cards um, and also their um, school librarians are really eager to work with us and help promote what goes on at the Mm. public library too. Ruth? We work very actively with uh, the elementary school uh, in our in our community, as well as uh, with the high school. Um, we do uh, share resources. Uh, if if there's something that the school librarian is interested in having resources for that she doesn't have access to, we'll pull together a package of package of stuff and run it up the street to her. Fortunately, we're a few blocks away. We can do that. We uh, our uh, youth services librarian goes into the classrooms on a regular basis. Uh, she goes to. Uh, many of the classrooms on a monthly basis to share new titles that people might generally want to read, but also works with the teachers to identify specific topics that they're doing uh, research on and can help uh, bolster the fact that there are many paths to find the information and that uh, what, the, what the public library offers as opposed to what the school library offers. So it's a way of helping to reinforce the, the messages of the librarian. Uh, we also plan together on some programming. Uh, we've done this this is our second year working with the school library to have what we, what we refer to in-house as the big-name children's author, uh, an opportunity for people to, to bring a, a very popular, well-known author to the area, a series of programs that are held at the library uh, over uh, the course of a day uh, for uh, different grades and presentation, varying presentations. But it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for people to um, have that wider exposure, and it's something that the school is not going to do, school is not going to take the time to do it, and it's a, it's a great co- uh, collaborative resource for us. Mm. Rich, how would you respond to the, the connection between a local library and a local school? 
Well, we engage uh, regularly with the local uh, schools, the public schools, the private schools, and the independent school in town. Um, we have uh, every year the second graders come to our library and they get library cards. As mm. It's an annual kind of rite of passage Great. we've been doing for a number of years now. Um, and uh, the local sixth graders come over and they do local history projects using our archives and kind of learning about some institutions and, and local local history subjects at the library. Um, uh, the art the teacher at the Consolidated School in Blue Hill regularly trots her kids over for our art shows. She's yeah. really into getting the kids out in the community. They come out sort of weather-dependent to an extent, but uh, uh, depending on what's on the walls in the art gallery at the library, she brings them down, and she, she actually makes it an academic experience. She has them sit down and consider what it is they like about that painting or whatever. Um, we do engage regularly with the school libraries, uh, both at, at all levels, um, and any way that we can provide resources that they may not have or or help them out, we're happy to do that. Uh, we have uh, library scavenger hunts for uh, uh, field trips that come visit uh, from schools and uh, develop this kind of ga games kids play, trying to find different pieces of information in the library. Uh, and that's guided with the uh, school librarian at times, so all kinds of ways. Great. Um, one 625 Please give us a call and participate in our conversation about libraries. Rich, you mentioned that you have a, an art gallery. Uh, what's the connection between art and a library? Well, it's a culture, isn't it? I mean, that's, uh, that's one of the many things we do. It's, uh, um, we're fortunate to have space for an art gallery in the library. Um, we have a, a different show every month. Um, uh, actually, getting back to students, my favorite month is April, which is every year we have Student Art Month. And the entire library, not just the art gallery, but the entire library is pasted with artwork from all the local schools uh, on the Blue Hill Peninsula. And if you're in a bad mood in April, come to the Blue Hill Public Library because <laughs> it is impossible to be in a bad mood around children's art. It's uh, just, it's amazing. It's so much color just screaming from the walls. I love it. Great. Art in, in the other libraries, how do you yep. treat art? We have, we have a regular monthly display by a community member, variety of, uh, variety of media. It's always very interesting to have somebody walk into the library and look at what's on the wall there and, and suddenly realize that it's somebody that they know in another context, that they did not know that this person was an artist mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. all. And so all of a sudden, they've got a whole new perspective on this person that they know. It's uh, very intriguing. Uh, we unfortunately don't have a whole lot of wall space, but we get very creative about where we put things. We have done, uh, we have a balcony around the edges, and we've done a number of art shows where we've hung things from the balcony, uh, which could be quite dramatic and impressive. <laughs> uh, can't hang really heavy stuff that way, but uh, great for the quilt show. Wonderful. So you just use the best space you can. We also do programming that is in relation to the art so that we do various kinds of uh, programs in cooperation with some local artists. Uh, so I think that, as Rich said, it's a, it's a part of the culture and it's a part of understanding who we are. It's a mode of expression. Uh, and I think that it's one of the things that we can help nurture. 1-866-625-9378 mm. to participate in our conversation about um, local libraries. What are some of the challenges you're facing? You've certainly expressed um, some great um, initiatives that you're doing and, and really great support from the community, but there are must these challenges to be to running a library. Um, Amy, what, what are some of the things that you're facing? Um, I would say one of the challenges is, is one that Rich alluded to that uh, our resources are becoming more expensive and our budgets are not increasing to align with that. I think um, ebooks are very expensive, uh, much more expensive than print books, and hmm. um, and they're 
we are trying to fill those needs and trying to diversify what we offer at the same time that we're also trying to minimize our, our budgets and, and make the best use of our budgets. So that's an ongoing. So you actually um, need to go to the town or the, the city of Ellsworth mm-hmm. for your budget. Um, do you have a friends group as well that helps um, raise raise money to support the library? Yes, we have an excellent Friends of the Library group, and they, they run several book sales a year at the library. They also do other fundraisers for us and um, fund all of our programs, mm-hmm. um, almost all of our programs. So mm-hmm. educational programs for children, especially in the summer for adults, and um, that's we don't get any of that money from the local municipalities, so that's okay. a huge asset for us. Mm-hmm. Ruth and Rich, how do you how do you fund your libraries? <laughs> well, uh, the Jessup is a nonprofit organization. We have uh, a, we have uh, board resources that have been given to the library over the years that we use for a portion of our funding. We have a, an active fundraising program, as many nonprofits do these days. We've just been uh, made a significant change in the amount of public funding that was given to the library. Uh, over its history, the Jessup has never received much in the way of municipal support. I think that was sadly a little deliberate on the part of the board, previous boards who felt that they didn't want to ask. They were reluctant to. They didn't, couldn't, didn't feel, I guess, that they could make a strong enough case for a share of the municipal dollars. But over the last batch of years, we've worked very hard with the local local uh, town council and the warrant committee to help them understand the services that we provide. And we've had a significant increase so that the funding that used to be less than 5% of our budget is now about, this year it's about 24% and next year it's going to be about 28% of our budget. Mm. So that is a significant vote of confidence in the work that we're doing. Um, we still have a significant work amount of work that we have to do on our own each year. We don't have a formal Friends of the Library, uh, but it is uh, it is not something that, that, that is a significant significant change from when I started out. All Most of the other libraries I've worked in have been um, municipal in one fashion or another. I worked in one other nonprofit library, but it did receive more support from the local community initially. Uh, so that was a bit of a change. So this has been a bit of a struggle. I think the, the other big uh, problem that the Jessup has right now is simply elbow room. And uh, this also relates to funding because we're in the process of trying to find a way of raising enough money to uh, re- significantly expand the building and also to uh, do, do some rehabilitation in our historic building. Mm. Rich, how are you funded um, in, in terms of the, the annual operations and, and, and more? Well, first, I'll just talk a little bit. We do have a friends group. I love our friends group. If you're listening, friends, we love you. <laughs> great. Uh, we have, they're just a great group. They are very active. They are fortunate to have a bookstore in our basement. They open that bookstore monthly in the most of the year and then weekly in the summertime. And they raise about $25,000 a year, which they spend entirely on the Blue Hill Library. And a lot of that goes to programming. There's a lot of other things, too, if we need, like, a children's desk or mm-hmm. uh, something. They their their game so mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's a that's a wonderful asset in terms of how the library is funded I, I do want to go back and touch yes. on you referred to the Blue Hill Library as a private library I'm a little sensitive about that mm-hmm. I like to think of us as a public library mm-hmm. but we're organized as a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. so because uh, I think private conjures up this this idea of like an exclusive organization and we're not we're open our doors are wide open you can come and use it for free um, about uh, half of our budget comes from an endowment we're very fortunate to have that um, a third of it comes from annual fundraising efforts, everything from annual appeal to a plant sale, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we have this wonderful uh, fundraiser called Paint the Peninsula where artists 
paint uh, landscape uh, paintings, et cetera, in the morning. And in the afternoon, we auction those wet paintings off <laughs> in a silent auction. It's a great event. It happens in July every year. Keep your eyes out for that. And then um, about 15 16% of our budget comes from municipal uh, sources from four towns. Uh, we have four funding towns. That's uh, Blue Hill, Surrey, Sedgwick, and Penobscot. Mm. So, and then um, the few remaining crumbs come from the desk, uh, you know, photocopy fees and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Very, very mm-hmm. small amount. Mm-hmm. So, other challenges that you feel like local libraries are facing these days? Well, I think it's what Amy said before. It's um, uh, multiple formats, and it's not like a format replaces another format. It's always both and. Mm. You, you can't just sort of replace your print collection with a digital collection, and and then and then it's what kind of digital collection and what kind of and and how to invest enough resources to make it worthwhile. And mm. So that's 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 a big challenge. And then the other challenge we have is. All of the interesting and wonderful and innovative ways that people want to use our space. <laughs> Everything from telecommuters who are there all the time to people who want to have uh, yoga classes for toddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge to be able to do as much as we want to do for mm-hmm. our community. Um, we also want to be a community gathering space, and we want to be able to support everything from a one-on-one meeting, you know, a tutoring session. Uh, up to a community gathering of 200 people, and that's that's a very uh, that's a challenge for our particular facility, which was built in 1940 with a v- kind of a d- little bit of a different vision in mind. Uh-huh. Ruth, any other challenges that you're um, uh, working on? Well, I think I think that the uh, spoken about some of that. I think that one of the things that's we're very attuned to is how to work cooperatively with as many people in the community as possible so that we aren't stepping on each other's toes and we're working for the larger community good. This is something we're attentive to with most of the, uh, I say, the range of organizations that we work with. Uh, So I think that there tends to be a a fear that if you're doing something that it's not that it's not uh, that it's stepping on somebody else's toes. That it's within it's taking away from their turf or something like that. We're fairly sensitive about that, and so that the opportunity to work with others in the community is a, one of the things that we're extremely sensitive to. And I think that definitely makes a difference. Mm. We've certainly seen some wonderful um, publicity recently mm-hmm. about the role of libraries in democracy. Mm-hmm. We've also seen um, the importance of libraries in terms of early learning and that investment in the future. Um, let's start with early learning. Where, where does that come into play with your libraries? Is that something you see expanding? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned um, the, the notion of, of toddlers coming into the library. Um, wh- where does that come out? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a core um, mission of all public libraries is to foster early learning, uh, literacy, and the love of reading in children as as young as possible. So they they see that um, the library is a is a place where they can um, connect with uh, books and resources. Um, we offer. Um, Four, story, four regular story times a week, including a baby story time. So we're trying to get kids as young as possible before they maybe even know what books are, but they're they're just interacting <laughs> sure. with us and and finding um, connecting with the library as a joyful place and trying to help parents to um, to meet some of those needs as right, well. Because books are expensive, um, and so exactly. if people want um, to in- introduce their children to to books, the library is the place to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rich, how do you do well, that? Well, I think we uh, you know studies suggest that ninety percent of brain development happens between zero and three years old. And there really isn't another place where, as a society, we invest in our youngest people other than the public library mm. uh, for, for that age group, for mm. zero to three years old. 
So um, I think that's something we can be really proud of. I think youth services is really the engine of any public library. And when any, when any parent comes to the library and they leave with a, a, a tote bag full of children's <laughs> books, I think that's a good parent. There's sure. somebody. Sure. And, and, well, and it's a good library. <laughs> it's a good library. It's a great service. It's yeah. a win-win. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I think that the opportunity to make little people feel comfortable in the library from the very beginning is essential. So that, uh, as Amy said, Amy and Richard said, starting starting very early. Uh, we have also the early story times, uh, toddler, infants and toddler story times, and opportunity to connect with people. Uh, in our case, it's a little difficult because our space is a little limited in terms of how many kids we can serve at any one time. We do work cooperatively with the local daycare and with the uh, the daycare at the, at the YMCA as well, programming there, and they come to us we alternate on those kinds of things. But I think that beyond that, it is largely a matter of finding ways and opportunities to simply make children feel comfortable within the space of the building, that they're not going to be challenged, that Mm -hmm. this is a place for them in the community, that they can be comfortable and be themselves. This is their place. This is their place because I think that that will also help that as they grow up, they will feel that the library is still their place. But I think there are so many places in in the world where children are not allowed to be children, where children have their expectations uh, placed on them that are – constraining and I, I'm not saying that you know hedonistic behavior is always acceptable but the chance for children to just enjoy what they're doing mm-hmm. and to be in that space and be comfortable hanging out with their friends and uh, have it be a, a comfortable and safe place for them to be mm-hmm. is a very important piece of this. And that's important in the middle years especially. Yes, exactly. I mean, that, that sort yeah. of third place role that we exactly. serve. The Blue Hill Library after school yeah. is, a, is, a, is a place of a lot of activity. It can be a little <laughs> intense at times. Sure. It can be you know, we kind of draw the line at wrestling. Yes. You know. in, in, the, in the short time we have, what about the role of libraries and democracy? How do you see that playing out uh, in your community specifically? Ruth, how, do, how, does, how does Jessup play in that game? Um, the Jessup, the Jess, this is one of the fundamental things that we refer to on a regular basis. The Jessup is, one of the things that we do as a part of this is uh, encourage the Jessup as a place for a civil discussion on a community topic. There are often meetings that are held, for example, at the municipal building that can get a little heated. And we've found that having some of those meetings at the Jessup uh, makes people behave better. They <laughs> they they respond more civilly. It's it's more conducive to an actual discussion. So we are an active participant, working with the community f- as a place to have difficult discussions. Mm. Uh, so that's a very important piece of it. The other part is simply providing as much information as possible so that people can make sound choices and helping people understand that there, uh, there are a wide array of choices of uh, information available. We are hoping to steer people to better sources of information, more reliable sources of information. And I think that that's a, a, an essential piece. And the other aspect of it is simply modeling good behavior, which is that we treat everybody equitably. We treat everybody as though they are citizens of our community, and this is a very important piece of it. Amy, quick response to the notion of a library as part of democracy? Sure, absolutely. I think we have a really vital role to play in that, um, and public libraries are are open to everyone, so they are seen as more neutral places to mm-hmm. have some of those difficult conversations that Ruth mentioned. I think we really have a, a strong role 
role to play and also in helping people find good resources. Last brief word to Rich. Well, we've had lots of candidate forums, et cetera. Actually, we're sitting out this election cycle. We have a, a member of our board who's running for office, so we're going to leave it at that. We're going to set up the cycle, but uh, absolutely great role great. for libraries. Well, thank you all for being here and talking about the role of libraries in our communities. We've come to the end of the hour. Be sure and join us from 10 to 11 on the second Friday morning of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found in the archive section of the WERU website. If you have comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at WERU, excuse me, at news at WERU.org. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio, Amy Weishart, Ellsworth Public Library, Ruth Eveland, the Jasper Memorial Public Library in Bar Harbor, Rich Boulay, Blue Hill Public Library, and Jamie Ritter, the Maine State Librarian. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and